Hello and welcome back to Pastoral Parsha. I'm Hody Nemus, a third-year rabbinical student at YCT Rabbinical School. And I'm Michelle Friedman, Chair of Pastoral Counseling at YCT. In each episode of this podcast, we explore psychological insights gleaned from the Torah portion of the week. And we also share with our listeners concepts and techniques that are taught in the Pastoral Counseling Program at YCT, where we try to integrate Torah wisdom and contemporary understandings from modern psychology. This week, we're in Parshat Vayelech, which is towards the end of the Book of Torah, Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verses 1 through 3. And our theme today is going to be aging and advanced life directives. Parsha Vayelech is the Parsha with the fewest verses in the whole Torah, just 30. But in those 30, we see transition. Transition, the end of a life, the end of a book, Devarim, and the end of our whole Torah as it's, as it's sort of hurtling towards these, uh, these final Parshas. And it's really about Moshe transitioning, uh, giving over the mantle of leadership. So, of course, Joshua is designated. Joshua is very publicly given, uh, given encouragement by, by Moshe, by God. And Moshe describes the war on the nations that's going to come very soon uh, as they enter the land. So he's preparing them for the next step. And at the, at the height of that, he says, and also uh, God says, you should write down a Torah. And that Torah is placed into the, uh, the Ark, the Aron Habrit, that's going to go with them uh, into Israel. And of course, Aron is also what we call it, a coffin. And, and Moshe will be uh, entering his resting place quite soon. So this, this Parsha is really the, be- the beginning of the goodbye uh, to, to Moshe. And it's really a poignant moment, very poignant moment at the end here. Um, there's one pasuk right towards the beginning where Moshe names, he, he names what's going on. He says, Vayomar alehem, ben mea ve'esrim shana anochi hayom, lo uchal od latzeit v'lavo, v'ashem amar elai, lo ta'avor et ha'yerdein hazeh. He said to them, to the children of Israel, I am now 120 years old. I can no longer come and go. Moreover, the Lord has said to me, you shall not go across yonder Jordan. You know, you can't hear these verses without a kind of a sigh mm. and a kind of a clutch. Um, there's sort of a tenderness and a tear that comes up, kind of recognition and a, uh, elegance, but a deep sadness. I can no longer come and go, and this is the end. And there's such a dignity it to is. the way that's it expressed. And, and an honesty. I yes. Think, and and uh, unfortunately... That is, not, that is often not the case when situations arise, and we're going to share a fictional vignette, but one that is uh, sadly all too familiar, when people struggle against realizing that mortality is upon them. So I'm constructing a story, let's say, of three adult children who are in the hallway in an ICU, an intensive care unit at a hospital. And their parent, 
um, maybe not even an elderly parent, but their parent, let's say, and their parent could be in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, is mortally ill. And that parent can no longer speak. Let's say it's the father. That dad can no longer speak for himself. And two of the children think that everything should be done. Every medical heroic effort should be, everything should be pulled out to keep dad alive because every moment of life is so precious. And one child says, no, that's not what dad would have wanted. Dad would have wanted to go peacefully, to leave in dignity, to not uh, continue life with tremendous pain and debilitation. And there's no, dad has not expressed his wishes. He never left any kind of record for what to do. And the mom is beside herself. She is flooded with tears. She can't really make decisions. And so this kind of closed circuit goes on in the halls of many ICUs. They could be two to two to one in the other direction. But there's at a time when families should come together and support each other in a, in a milestone uh, um, watershed time of a family, there can be pain and dissension, bringing up of old conflicts and really deep fights can ensue that leave a permanent scar. So we all know we're going to age and die, and yet we, we really resist preparing. Why is it so hard to get people to talk about this? You know, it's like the famous uh, story which has been told in many of these um, discussions about advanced care directives, which, which is, the, the person convening the group says, well, how many people in this room expect to die? And less than half raise their hands. <laughs> and there's just this, you know, we know that from the, the joyous moment of a baby's birth, that mortality is the fate for all of us. And I think we resist it because it's hard to live life joyfully if you're always thinking about the end. And, or you're thinking like, well, this is all temporary. Yes. We're just a blip you know, in the, or not even a blip in eternity. So what's the point? You can get into this sort of despairing nihilism, which of course can only grow as you get older. So what's the balance between a, a keen appreciation of mortality and making reasonable plans, whether mm -hmm. it's for advanced care medical directives in case a person couldn't speak for themselves, writing a financial will, um, moving from a isolated home that has lots of stairs and requires driving or whatever, which is a common situation for many elders. But it's, it's hard to accept mortality and to bring people into it. And sometimes we find that it's not the elder person in the dyad that's resisting that conversation, but it can be the kids who right. don't want to accept that parents in this particular configuration are going to age and die in the natural order of things before they do. Wow. What are some strategies that you think could be helpful for probably children or any, anyone who's approaching a loved one who's aging to talk about 
advanced directives, advanced medical directives. Yeah, and I think this should be for anybody who, uh, I don't even think it's aging. I think it's good at any point because... And at any age? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, not. I think that in, in when you're people who you're responsible to, mm -hmm. because to not know what somebody's values are or who they would want you to consult, whether it's a posake, a rabbi, or whoever it might be, is really... It's like having a financial will. Mm -hmm. If you have people that you're responsible to, or you have property that you care about where it's going, you need to make plans for that at any age. It's less likely that a person is going to die at 30 than at 90, but anything could happen. And I think there's sort of a, a need for recognition of those realities. But in terms of how to help people do this, I think making it a common conversation. I think community leaders like rabbis or say, I think it's an important thing for doctors to bring up. Mm. Sometimes, because I've been involved in my own community program, people will say, yeah, we took care of this with our lawyer when we did our will. And you'll say, but does the person who you appointed as your healthcare proxy know that? They, well, we didn't really tell them. <laughs> does that, have you had a conversation with that person, if they do know who it is, what your values are, who you would want them to consult? So it's really important not just to... to name a person, but to let them know, to deputize them, to have a meaningful conversation, and for them to have a, a, a document that attests to this should the need arise. Sounds like that could be quite a fraught surprise for someone if they don't know. A, quite a fraught surprise, and it's also something like sometimes people feel that those who are the closest to them and who they love dearly wouldn't make the decision that they would want. So I've had circumstances where a spouse said, my spouse couldn't do what I would want him or her to do. Wow. So, and that's something you don't really want your spouse to find out at the last, at that no. final hour. No. So then yet another reason to talk earlier and sooner. Right. And I think that for this to be a community project, as it's been in the What Matters project on the Upper West Side, is a really dignified way to do this. Michelle, I've known, you know, elderly uh, friends and family who have been quite resistant to accepting the aging process, especially people who were quite active as younger uh, adults and now are losing some of their, their physical faculties and, uh, and for example, don't want to move to a, let's say... An don't want to give up their car keys. Don't want to give up their car one. keys. Don't want to move to an assisted living home. Uh, don't want to walk with a walker and right. end up falling That's and right. potentially, you know, hurting others, hurting themselves. Right. H how do we work with them? Well, I think in the most general way, making this a community conversation helps make it a kind of a, a, an experience that we all have to live with. It's not like, oh, this is my shame. I'm falling apart and I'm trying to conceal it. I think as people talk more about making moved, let's say, to some kind of apartment or an independent living facility or a, a, a assisted living or whatever it is, or talking about different forms of transportation or talking about using um, whatever a cab system is in a city or something of that sort, it becomes more normalized as opposed to being some kind of like pathetic uh, situation. But I have to emphasize that these are generally speaking, not easy situations. If there's resistance, let's say if somebody who seems to have difficulty driving is resisting giving up driving, which is understandable considering that that's so connected to independence and autonomy and being an adult, that's not going to go down easy. 
and it's just going to be hard. And the thing that I think helps the most is really having a family intervention. It can't be on one person to say, mom, we need to take away the keys. It's got to be almost like an intervention when you're trying to help somebody who, let's say, has a substance problem. The more people that are together, the more powerful it is. There has to be a sense of a united front. And I think the key words are safety and dignity. Those are the words that I recommend that people use because they are, they are noble words. Those are the words that we talked about actually with our Pasuk before, with dignity, That's with right. Moshe's dignity. And I think we talk about that mom, dad, whoever, we want you to be safe. We want you to be dignified. And this is why we're talking about mm -hmm. this. And it's, uh, it can be, it can require a lot of effort. And the most important thing is having the group support each other doing that. And if they're stubborn, if there's a... It's, at some point, you have to make a move. You mm -hmm. have to take away those keys. Yeah. And you have to take away, and then the, you know, let's say if the guy goes out, it's usually a guy in this case, and rents a car or buys a car, then you got to intervene there and maybe make a move on the credit card. Or I, I mean, these are not simple situations, and they can be very painful and fraught. But you got to look at the bigger goals in terms of what, what are the consequences if you don't do it. Now, there, another thing that I do have to say is one of the difficulties with aging is kind of finding a place, like when you think that somebody's making a bad decision, how much right do people have to make what somebody else might consider a poor decision? And that's not so clear. Somebody else's terrible decision might be another person's, well, this is the way I want to live my life, mm -hmm. whether they're elderly or otherwise. And that sense of wanting to intervene with people we care about is complicated. You mean they have high blood pressure and they're reaching for the salt to That's dinner right, or something. something like that. Yeah, they're, they're 32 years old, not 69 years old. But yeah, they're reaching for the salt. Or they're, you know, they're morbidly obese and they're reaching for a second piece of pie. Uh -huh. Do you push their hand away? I mean, people have a right to make bad decisions. So, yeah, it can be tough. So what I'm hearing from you is that uh, I, I really like dignity and safety, that those are the, those are the important uh, touchstones to return to when you're talking with your elderly relatives and as you think yourself about your own aging process uh, and, and facing our our eventual mortality we all face. I mean, thinking about just the name of our Parsha, Ayelech, what does it mean? And, and he went. Right, right. It's about going. It's about the journey. So we wish you all a good journey and a Shabbat Shalom. Tune in next week for Parshat Hazinu, where we'll be continuing our discussion of death and mortality and specifically talking about ethical wills how to write them, what they are, and how they can help us. Terrific. So, I want to invite our listeners to please give feedback. And if you would like to write to us, use the address mefriedman at yctorah.org. And we wish you all a Shabbat Shalom.